You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, October 6, 2022. Coming up this hour. Fed officials say the expectation for rate cuts next year is misplaced. The U.S. slams OPEC's decision to curb production. Elon Musk may have wanted to slash his takeover price for Twitter. And hundreds of billions of dollars in market value have been wiped away in the first month of this trust's government. New York City Council members are calling for housing asylum seekers in hotels and churches instead of Randall's Island, plus more missile launches from North Korea. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The baseball regular season ended. The Yankees lost. The Mets won. They begin the postseason tomorrow night. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 15 points this morning. Dow futures down 103, and NASDAQ futures down 44. The DAX in Germany is up about two-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury, little change, yield 3.75 percent, and a yield on the two-year, 4.15 percent. Nathan. Well, Karen, this drop in U.S. futures follows a late-day comeback on Wall Street after Falling as much as 1.8 percent, the S&P 500 ended yesterday's session down two-tenths percent, fueled by a big options trade. Aaron Kennan, CEO at Clear Harbor Asset Management, says a drop in earnings isn't being priced in yet. I think a, a very shallow recession, I, I would argue, is probably priced in. But if we are seeing some sort of double-digit decline and let's say, S&P 500 earnings next year, that's probably not yet priced into the market. Aaron Kennan at Clear Harbor Asset Management says tomorrow's jobs report will be a key indicator for the path ahead. Well, Federal Reserve officials are repeating the mantra, Nathan, and they don't plan to cut interest rates next year. San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly and Atlanta Fed Chief Raphael Bostic are the latest to bang the drum on the need to keep tightening. We spoke yesterday with Daly. I see us as raising to a level that we believe is restrictive enough to bring inflation down and then holding it there until we see inflation truly get close to 2% and, and demonstrate that price stability is restored. Mary Daly's comments are being echoed by Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic, who says rates still need to go much higher. 
I'd like to reach a point where policy is moderately restrictive, somewhere between four and four and a half percent by the end of this year, and then hold at that level and see how the economy and prices react. Atlanta Fed President Rafael Bostic says there are encouraging signs on inflation, but he still sees the overall picture as challenging. Let's turn to oil now, Karen. A production cut by OPEC is making waves. Right now, prices are steady a day after OPEC and its allies agreed to the biggest production cut since 2020. The alliance plans to slash daily output by 2 million barrels. Saudi Energy Minister Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman spoke with us in Vienna. I don't want people to think that this is a one-way street. In this case, no, it's a variety of convoluting uncertainties, and they could go astray altogether and to the positive side or to the negative side, or it could be a combination. Saudi Energy Minister Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman says the U.S.-led initiative to slap a price cap on Russian oil is adding to uncertainty in the market. Let's check prices now. NYMEX crudes up about a tenth percent, up eight cents at $87.84 a barrel. Brent is higher by two-tenths percent at $93.53. Well, Nathan, the White House is pushing back against OPEC's decision to curb production, calling the move unnecessary and short-sighted. We discussed the matter with National Economic Council Director Brian Deese. As the president mentioned, we think it's unnecessary if you look at the global environment where supply continues to be the predominant challenge. We've been working for some time to take action and encourage action globally to uh, make sure that supply actually matches demand. White House Economic Advisor Brian D. says the U.S. will release 10 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve this month. He's also calling on gasoline companies to close the gap between wholesale and retail prices at the pump. In the U.K. this morning, political turmoil is still weighing on investor sentiment, Karen. Hundreds of billions of dollars have been wiped from the nation's stock and bond markets in the first month of Liz Truss's government. Let's get more live from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts in London. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. $340 billion. That's the total knocked off the value of UK stocks and bonds over the past month. While assets globally have been roiled by central bank tightening, confidence in the UK has taken a real battering. The September sell-off on the new government's unfunded tax cuts saw the pound hit a record low against the dollar, intervention by the Bank of England and a swift climb down by the Chancellor. One strategist, though, said some investors currently consider the UK as uninvestable. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. Well, back here in the U.S., we're learning more about the details behind Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. Turns out he was pushing for a lower price behind the scenes. And we get the details from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. Sources say Musk's representatives and Twitter held talks in the past few weeks about a buyout for less than $54.20 a share, but they didn't go anywhere. The New York Times reported Musk had sought a 30% reduction in the price. This week, Musk said in a letter to Twitter that he would be willing to complete the deal for the original price. In another development, the two sides agreed to postpone the billionaire's long-awaited deposition today in the company's lawsuit aimed at forcing him to go through with a $44 billion buyout. Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. Lisa, thanks. We have word of more corporate job cuts this morning. General Electric is slashing positions at its onshore wind turbine manufacturing business. Bloomberg News has learned GE will reduce its U.S. onshore wind workforce by 20%. That amounts to hundreds of jobs. The move is designed to counter mounting losses at its renewable energy unit. And finally, Nathan, news on the pandemic this morning. American Express is ending a requirement that employees need to be vaccinated against COVID-19 to enter the office. And we get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. 
This takes effect November 1st, and it applies to offices across the United States, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, all according to an internal memo to staff seen by Bloomberg. The New York-based credit card company has been one of the few financial firms to embrace remote work in the aftermath of the pandemic. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Charlie, thanks. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Asset managers don't get results that are off the charts when their solutions are off the shelf. Learn how SEI's operating platform can turn infrastructure into a competitive advantage at SEIC.com slash tech. This is Bloomberg. And it's now 5.07 on Wall Street. It's 56 degrees in Central Park. We've got problems getting on the New Jersey Turnpike this morning if you're in East Brunswick. Fill you in on that shortly. First, Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York City Council members are proposing housing asylum seekers in hotels and churches. The ideas from last night's council meeting come after Mayor Eric Adams now wants to house migrants in a tent city at Randall's Island. Mayor Adams scrapped the original idea of having the Migrant Relief Center in Orchard Beach after opposition from both sides of the debate. However, critics say the new Randall's Island location will still have the same problems, including access for migrants to get jobs, health care, and schools. President Biden will be in New York today. He will visit a jobs event at an IBM campus in Poughkeepsie. The president will also attend a Democratic fundraiser in New Jersey. Yesterday, President Biden visited southwest Florida, pledging support for storm victims who lost everything to Hurricane Ian. I promise you we're going to be with you every step of the way. The people of Florida, to all of you, we're in this together. The president got a warm welcome from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Mr. President, welcome to Florida. We appreciate uh, working together across various levels of government. President Biden says Republican Governor DeSantis has done a good job. Biden said he and DeSantis have put politics aside, focused on the storm, and have been in complete lockstep. More than 30 people, primarily children, were killed today when a gunman opened fire in a child care center in northeastern Thailand. Authorities said the gunman took his own life. It's a tragic discovery in a horrific crime. Four family members kidnapped from a business in central California have been found dead. Merced County Sheriff Vernon Mornker said last night that one suspect is hospitalized after trying to kill himself, but there may be other suspects. I'm just livid inside because this was completely and totally senseless. We have a whole family wiped out. And for what? We don't know yet. Authorities had released surveillance video of a man kidnapping the baby, the child's mother, father, and uncle on Monday. North Korea fired two suspected short-range ballistic missiles today toward waters where U.S. aircraft carrier had been deployed, ratcheting up tensions in the region. It came shortly after North Korea condemned the Biden administration for redeploying the USS Ronald Reagan aircraft carrier to a group of waters east of the peninsula. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Right, good morning, Nathan. The baseball regular season is over. The Dodgers won 111 games, the most of the National League since the 1906 Cubs. Mets and Braves both won 101, finished tied for first, but Atlanta won the season series 10-9, to and that's why the Braves have a first-round bye, and the Mets have to play a best-of-three wild-card series with San Diego. All the games at City Field, the openers tomorrow night with a terrific pitching matchup. It'll be Max Scherzer 
against the Padres, Hugh Darvish. Mets finished up beating Washington 9-2. to Jeff McNeil got the day off, and he was able to just barely hold off the Dodgers' Freddie Freeman and win the National League batting title. McNeil hit 326. He hit 249 last season. You know, kind of hard work and, um, you know, trying to get back to, you know, the player I knew I could be, you know, after last year. You know, last year wasn't a uh, great year for me, so... Um, you know, kind of wanted to, you know, get back to, you know, who I am and, um, you know, was lucky enough to be rewarded for that. Aaron Judge didn't play the Yankees' season-ending 4-2 loss at Texas, so he did not win the batting title. That would have given him the triple crown. Judge finished second to the Twins' Luis Reyes. The guy who caught the ball that Judge hit for his record-breaking 62nd home run has already been offered $2 million by a sports memorabilia auction house. The Giants practice before they leave for London. Daniel Jones limited with his ankle injury. Jones has not yet been ruled out for the game with Green Bay. A welcome sight, the return of center Nick Gates, who in week two last year suffered a fractured leg injury that required seven surgeries. It was feared it was going to end Gates' career. Week five against tonight, Colts and Broncos in Denver. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. Thank you, John. S&P futures are lower by 12 points now. Dow futures down 82. NASDAQ futures down 31 points. NYMEX crude up a third percent now at 88.04 a barrel. We'll talk about OPEC's decision next with Will Kennedy of Bloomberg News. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Sunny, low 70s today and tomorrow. For the weekend, it's still going to be sunny but cooler. We're only around 60 degrees Saturday, low 60s on Sunday. Currently, 56. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures erase gains and are moving lower. European stocks, they're trading modestly higher. Investors are debating whether higher oil prices would further weaken growth, potentially slowing central banks' rate hike cycles. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures, uh, they're down 17 points now. Dow futures down 120 and NASDAQ futures down 50. The DAX in Germany is up a tenth of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 230 seconds, yield 3.76 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.16 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up two-tenths percent or 16 cents at $87.93 a barrel. COMEX gold up a quarter percent or $3.90 at $17.24. 70 an ounce. The euro, 0.9891 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1298. The yen, 144.71. And looking at Bitcoin, it's up eight-tenths of a percent at $20,150. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. We're learning more about a tragedy in northeastern Thailand. More than 30 people were killed today when a gunman opened fire in a child care center. At least 30 people were killed, including children, before the gunman took his own life, according to authorities. President Biden visited the hurricane-ravaged area in Florida from Ian. He says that they are going to be there every step of the way to help the victims of that storm. In baseball, the last game of the regular season, the Yankees lost. The Mets won over the Nationals 9-2. The Red Sox lost. The Orioles split a doubleheader with the Blue Jays. 
Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we are continuing to watch oil prices this morning following the decision from OPEC and its allies to cut production by 2 million barrels a day starting next month. Also keeping an eye on it for us is Will Kennedy, Senior Executive Editor for Energy and Commodities for Bloomberg News, who joins us now. Will, good morning. We're seeing kind of modest gains, I think, across the crude market this morning. Is there some sort of indecision right now for oil traders about what this production cut is going to mean going forward for price? Not necessarily. I think what we should do is look at the move over the several days since big price cuts started to be discussed among OPEC members. So if we look at the week as a whole, uh, we're up about 10%, which is a very meaningful move uh, in the oil price, you know, almost $88 in the New York contract, uh, close to 94 in the Brent contract in London. Uh, these prices are uh, significantly higher from where they were a week ago. So the market has responded to an, over a number of days as as it became clear that a large cut would be uh, the result of the meeting. So people were buying into it, and then when the meeting ended, as uh, as people had been predicted, um, uh, the price sort of settled down a little bit. Now, this is a large cut sort of on paper, though, right? Because there are a lot of members of the OPEC cartel that still haven't been meeting their production quotas. That's right. Two million barrels does not mean two million barrels. Two million barrels probably means something between... 800,000 and 1 million barrels a day for the reasons that you say uh, that many countries aren't already meeting their obligations so they won't be cutting after this agreement but I wouldn't see that as a reason not to uh, believe this is significant global oil demand is probably just over 100 million barrels a day so potentially you're talking about taking almost 1% of the world's oil off the market and that can have a significant impact. And, of course, the uh, rationale that we're hearing uh, from members of OPEC is that uncertainty around the outlook for oil demand is what's sparking this move. Uh, I guess given the war in Ukraine, does that sort of uh, hold water, that argument from OPEC? It's one it's one way to look at the market, um, but there are factors in both directions. So, yes, there has been a lot of uncertainty about the direction of uh, demand as people worry that the global economy is slowing in the face of tighter monetary policy. And that tighter monetary policy itself can weigh on oil prices. A stronger dollar, a stronger dollar has be, historically been bad for oil prices. And one thing that we've seen in recent weeks uh, is that when the dollar was rallying hard, oil prices were falling. So from that perspective, there has been some weakness, and you can see the argument from the oil producers that they wanted to shore up prices, but there are many arguments that point in the other direction. Uh, inventories globally remain relatively low. The U.S. has emptied a lot of its strategical, strategic petroleum reserve to keep prices down. How much further can it go through the winter? Chinese demand could pick up after the National Congress in Beijing as they backtrack from COVID zero, perhaps. Uh, so there are reasons on the other side as well, and I don't think the outlook through the winter is necessarily clear. Yeah, it certainly isn't, given uh, the, the energy crunch that Europe is facing particularly. But when we think about elevated oil prices and the, the uh, OPEC cartel trying to uh, shore up oil prices, I mean, what does that mean, given that we're looking at Brent above a 90 handle right now? I mean, that seems pretty elevated, doesn't it? 
It is, and uh, if you look at product prices, especially prices that people pay for diesel, which is what they would use if they're trying to replace ultra-expensive natural gas, it's what some people in the US and in Europe used to heat their homes, those prices prices look firm. Although it's worth saying, we're still a long way off of you know the prices we saw of around $130 in the immediate aftermath of Russia's invasion, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, but it adds to a picture where energy is expensive, uh, where consumers and businesses are already grappling, especially in Europe, with extremely high natural gas prices, with extremely high electricity prices, and it just adds to a picture of energy scarcity and elevated energy costs globally. About 30 seconds left here. Are you looking for further shifts in the uh, oil trade balance following this decision? Well, one thing that we should put on people's radars is in early December, Russia stopped, Europe will stop buying Russian crude oil entirely, and that will change the crude oil trade around the world. They will have to find new customers in Asia. And one key question for the market going forward is will they find those customers or will Russia be forced to reduce oil production because its existing markets are closed? Thanks for this, Will. Great having you on with us. Will Kennedy, Senior Executive Editor for Energy and Commodities for Bloomberg News. And looking at prices now, NYMEX crudes up three-tenths percent or 26 cents at 88.02 a barrel. Brent, the international benchmark, is also up about three-tenths percent at $93.69. Futures are moving lower. S&P futures down 14 points. Dow futures down 100. And NASDAQ futures are lower by 38 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, sunshine and low 70s today. Keep it that way tomorrow. Cooler air moves in for the weekend. Saturday only getting up to near 60 degrees, low 60s for Sunday. Right now, 56 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. futures are lower in muted action this morning. That's after stocks snapped a two-day winning streak yesterday. Mainstay Capital Management founder David Kudla says right now it's time to be defensive. The classic 60-40 portfolio that's down more than 20% this year. Liquid alternatives that offer an opportunity for a positive return because of the strategies of shorting stocks actually generate positive returns. David Kula with Mainstay Capital says it's wishful thinking to believe that rate hikes will bring down inflation anytime soon. While still Karen, Fed officials keep banging the drum for tighter policy, insisting they do not plan to cut rates next year. San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly spoke with Bloomberg yesterday. It's also very damaging to the economy to have this level of inflation. So we're committed to bringing it down and staying the course until we're well and truly done. Mary Daly's comments about inflation are being echoed by Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic, who also says rates need to go higher. Meantime, the price of oil is holding steady after OPEC agreed to slash daily output by 2 million barrels. Saudi Energy Minister Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman sat down with us in Vienna and said the move does not necessarily mean the market should price in more cuts in the future. We wanted to give the market 
a clear uh, direction, a clear input. That's why we extended the agreement to end of 23. But we still have the same tools in our kit. Guidance to the market is crucial. Saudi Energy Minister Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman said the U.S.-led initiative to slap a price cap on Russian oil is adding uncertainty to the market. Checking prices right now, NYMEX crude oil is up half percent at $88.16 a barrel. Brent is up half percent at $93.83. Now, the White House is expressing frustration with OPEC's move, Karen. The Biden administration calls it unnecessary and short-sighted, saying the move aligns OPEC with Russia. In response, economic advisor Brian Deese says the U.S. will release 10 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve this month. And a couple of notes in corporate news this morning, Nathan, starting with Twitter. It turns out billionaire Elon Musk was reportedly pushing to buy the company for a lower price than previously agreed upon. He'll now go through with the deal on its original terms. And Bloomberg News has learned General Electric is cutting jobs. GE will reduce its U.S. onshore wind workforce by 20 percent to counter mounting losses at its renewable energy unit. S&P futures lower down 15 points this morning. Dow futures down 103 and NASDAQ futures down 42. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 56 degrees in Central Park. Still problems getting on the northbound New Jersey Turnpike on Route 18. I'll tell you more in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. IBM will announce plans to invest $20 billion over the next decade during a visit by President Joe Biden to the company's campus in Poughkeepsie, New York. President Biden will also be in New Jersey today for a Democratic fundraiser. Yesterday, President Biden was in Florida. The president laid out some of the benefits available to storm victims who lost property during Hurricane Ian. If you don't have insurance or if you're underinsured and you found a place to rent or your car has been destroyed, you're entitled up, maybe entitled up to $37,900 in federal funds. Biden received a warm welcome from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. New York City Council members are proposing housing asylum seekers in hotels and churches. The ideas from last night's council meeting come after Mayor Eric Adams now wants to house migrants in a tent city at Randall's Island. Mayor Adams scrapped the original idea of having the Migrant Relief Center in Orchard Beach after opposition from both sides of the debate. However, critics say the new Randall's Island location will still have the same problems, including access for migrants to get jobs, health care, and schools. More than 30 people, primarily children, were killed today when a gunman opened fire in a child care center in northeastern Thailand. Authorities say the gunman took his own life. North Korea has launched two ballistic missiles into its eastern waters after the U.S. redeployed an aircraft carrier in response to the North's earlier launch of a nuclear-capable missile over Japan. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida said the North Korean action was absolutely intolerable. Today's launches came as the U.S. aircraft carrier USS Ronald Reagan returned to waters east of South Korea. Meanwhile, Tuesday's launches were North Korea's sixth round of weapons tests in less than two weeks. That has been condemned by the U.S. and other countries. Secretary of State Antony Blinken spoke to reporters concerning Tuesday's missile launches. We are taking uh, appropriate defense and deterrence steps with allies and partners. We called for a U.N. Security Council meeting. Uh, and we're consulting with uh, with our partners on next steps. Um, but I also want to make very clear that our commitment to the defense of uh, our allies and partners, Korea and Japan, uh, is uh, is ironclad. 
Secretary Blinken. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 5.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashow. All right, Nathan, the baseball regular season is over. The new playoff format has 12 teams, the most ever. It includes the Phillies, who hadn't been to the postseason since 2011, and the Mariners, who hadn't gone since 2001. Also includes the Yankees and Mets. Yanks won 99 games, went just 42-32 and 32 after the All-Star break. They lost the finale at Texas 4-2 and will now await the winner of the wild card series between Cleveland and Tampa Bay. The Mets won 101 games, but because they got swept in Atlanta last weekend, they have to play a wild card series against San Diego, the opener to the best of three. Tomorrow night, City Field, Max Scherzer opposing the Padres, Hugh Darvish. Mets finished up with a 9-2 win over Washington. James McCann hit a three-run homer. Francisco Lindor a three-run double. Jeff McNeil did not play. Finished with a 326 average. That won McNeil the National League batting title. He hit just 249 a year ago. The Royals fired manager Mike Matheny. The Angels announced Phil Nevin, who took over when Joe Madden was fired, will return next season. Week 5 NFL begins with Colts, Broncos, and Denver. The Giants headed to London to play Green Bay Sunday. It's not known if Giants QB Daniel Jones can play due to an injured ankle. One Sunday's a little bit a little bit away, so I think I'll continue to progress throughout the week and, and see how I feel, but uh, confident in my ability to uh, throw from the pocket, throw outside the pocket, and, and uh, take plays from both. Now, if Jones can't play, it's likely third stringer Davis Webb will start since Tyrod Taylor is in concussion protocol. Webb never thrown a pass in an NFL regular season game. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Scott Carr. Residential sales have started at Manhattan's 222 East Broadway. New York Business Journal reports 70 luxury condos went on sale this week at the property on Manhattan's Lower East Side. Developer Optimum Asset Management says the project under construction plans occupancy for early 2023. A group of investors out of Brooklyn have just paid $2.3 million for a 43-year-old office building in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Three LLCs, Zahn and Mint Equities and MS Park way, closed the deal this week on the over 64,000 square foot building on Western Boulevard. Parents in New Jersey can now file for an up to $500 per child tax credit and get the credit next year instead of the way it was apparently mistakenly written that would have delayed payouts of the credit until 2024. Governor Murphy signed a correction to the bill this week. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Scott Carr. All right, Scott, thanks. 538 on Wall Street. Now let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate Bloomberg radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potusk on 1010 Wins in New York. We're talking about IBM's plan to invest $20 billion in future technology and U.S. chip makers. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on WHAS in Louisville. Ford raising the price of the hot-selling electric F-150 Lightning pickup. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on new research showing the benefit of the Prime Minister's tax cuts being wiped out by more people paying a higher rate of tax. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for KCBS in San Francisco, I'm talking about Uber's former security chief being found guilty of concealing a massive data breach. I'm Scott Carr on WDCH in Washington. I'm reporting, believe it or not, Amazon's big new ongoing HQ2 project is not the biggest mixed-use project underway in the region. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning. It's 539 on Wall Street.
The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. In the days since Vladimir Putin ordered Russia's largest mobilization since World War II, hundreds of thousands of Russians have fled the country. Some of the country's neighbors are now fretting about the consequences. But while frontline nations are understandably reluctant to absorb new waves of Russian exiles, closing the doors to the them will only strengthen Putin. In contrast, allowing them in would help drain Putin's war machine, which is already struggling with mounting casualties. The plight of Russians seeking to avoid the battlefield pales in comparison to the suffering Putin has inflicted on the people of Ukraine. Yet giving more Russians a way out would erode Putin's ability to prosecute his assault. The West should make the most of it. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash Opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you are listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Right now it's 56 degrees in Central Park. We're heading up to the low 70s today and tomorrow, low 60s for the weekend. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning, while European shares are little change as investors debate whether higher oil prices would further weaken growth, potentially slowing the rate hike cycles of central banks. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 20 points. Dow futures down 138. NASDAQ futures down 61. The DAX in Germany is little change. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 3.75%. They yield on the two-year 4 NYMEX crude oil is little change now at $87.74 a barrel. COMEX gold up two tenths percent or $3.30 at $17.24. 10 an ounce. The euro 0.9888 against the dollar. British pound 1.1279. The yen 144.72. And Bitcoin is up nine tenths percent at $20,160. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. More than 30 people Primarily children were killed today when a gunman opened fire in a child care center in northeastern Thailand. Authorities said the attacker took his own life. According to Thai media reports, the gunman also used knives in the attack and then fled the building. North Korea has launched two ballistic missiles into its eastern waters after the U.S. redeployed an aircraft carrier in response to the North's earlier launch of a nuclear-capable missile over Japan. In baseball, on the last day of the regular season, the Yankees lost. The Mets won over the Nationals 9-2. The Red Sox lost. The Orioles split a doubleheader with the Blue Jays. The Giants and A's won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan? Okay, Michael, thank you. We're coming up to 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we're joined now by Ben Laidler, global market strategist at eToro. We've got a lot to think about this morning for markets. Ben, not just the Fed outlook and the risk of recession, but now... 
uh, the outlook for global energy uh, commodities with uh, OPEC making its move. Does the decision to cut back production by the cartel affect your outlook for markets for the rest of this year? Uh, not really. Um, I certainly think the OPEC decision is a bit of a wake-up call for commodity markets. I mean, we've obviously been worried about focused on demand fears from recession and China and everything else. And this is just a reminder, I think, of how tight the supply side is, um, whether it's OPEC, uh, whether it's a lack of new drilling, uh, all of this just offsetting the demand slowdown. And, and I think putting us in a regime of sort of high for longer you know, commodities. Um, having said all that, though, $90 oil is not $120 oil, which is where we've come from. Um, you know, natural gas prices here in Europe have more than halved in the last uh, you know month or so. So I think, you know, that, that's how I think you, you sort of square that circle, sort of higher for longer commodities, but still some inflation relief. And it's all about inflation. Um, inflation has been driving everything. It's been driving central banks. It's been driving uh, recession risks. It's been driving earnings risks. So I think people just need to stay laser focused on that. If headline inflation is falling, uh, as it is, and all the lead indicators whether it's commodities, whether it's PMIs, whether it's housing, whether it's even the jobs, jobs data we saw, if all those lead indicators are sort of easing up and we get visibility that inflation is going to keep coming down, then I think um, that gives us some visibility that we're not that far away from this, um, the top of this Fed hiking cycle. Is there a risk, though, that the uh, production cut for oil could add to inflationary pressures if we start to see uh, gas prices go up? Yes, but I think they've got to go up a lot. I mean, again, we're, certainly for Brent, we're, you know, we, we were up at over 120. Now we're down at 90. So I think they've got to go up a lot, I think, to really sort of derail that um, sort of broader story, A. And B, you know, what's OPEC doing? They're responding to the weaker demand. So, you know, because of the recession fears, because of the concerns on China, you know, demand is sort of loosening off. So um, I would prefer lower, lower oil prices. But, um, you know, again, $90 is a lot better than 120 I still think this is a – I still think inflation is coming down. I still think that begins to give us visibility on the top of this Fed interest rate cycle over the next sort of two, three weeks. Uh, that gives us – that means that 4% was the peak for U.S. 10-year bond yields. I think these are the catalysts for the fourth quarter that mean I think that this market is building a bottom here. It is interesting, though, because we keep hearing from Fed officials that they think that interest rates are going to keep having to go up or at least stay elevated for quite some time into next year. You think that the Fed pivot's going to come sooner, though? I don't think they're going to pivot. I think what we're going to see, we've got three more rate hikes, I think, still to come. I just think they're going to be less big. So some maybe one more 75, then a 50, then a 25, and then we're done. Um, I think... You know, we're certainly a long way from cutting interest rates, but I think markets at this point would just take some visibility that we're not too far from the top. So if we've got three more hikes to come, that takes us through to the beginning of beginning of the year. I think you know the first stage of this building a bottom is just beginning to see the top of the Fed cycle. I, I think the you know the next bull market starts when the Fed starts cutting interest rates. We're not there yet, but I think um, you know the first step to that is just getting visibility on the top of the cycle. I think that's what the market is sort of feeding you know feeling out right now. Just about 30 seconds left here. It sounds like you're thinking we're going to get more of that visibility from the jobs report that comes out tomorrow. What's your call there? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's really sort of the missing link. As I say, all the other lead indicators, you know, whether it be commodities to housing, uh, have all sort of moved lower. The missing link's been the job market. Again, the sort of jolt survey has, was, was reassuring, but, uh, you know, the non-farm payroll number is a real deal. Uh, hopefully anything below 300,000, I think, will be taken well by markets. 
Thanks, as always, Ben. Great getting your thoughts. Ben Laidler, Global Market Strategist at eToro. Karen. Thanks, Nathan. It is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. The IRS has extended the tax deadlines for residents and businesses in North and South Carolina that were impacted by Hurricane Ian. Deadlines were already extended for Florida victims. Three professional sports leagues and four universities known for their sports programs filed lawsuits in a Chicago federal court. They're seeking to shut down online sales of counterfeit team merchandise. A lawsuit filed in federal court in Massachusetts charges that Liberty Mutual failed to pay hourly call center agents for required tasks at the start of their shifts and after meal breaks. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching. Elon Musk says he's ready to go ahead with a $44 billion deal to buy Twitter, but the trial over his attempt to walk away from the deal is still scheduled for October 17th in Delaware Chancery Court. So why hasn't Twitter made a move to pause the trial proceedings? For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Eric Talley, a professor at Columbia Law School. His offer was made with a proviso that the Delaware Chancery Court enter an immediate stay of Twitter's fight and adjourn the trial. His offer came with the proviso that there be an immediate stay of Twitter's legal fight and an adjournment of the trial. Twitter has not done that. Is this a case of fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, fool me three, four, or five times, shame on Twitter? Well, that was a nice try by Mr. Moss, but quite frankly, you know, the imagery of Lucy holding the football and Charlie Brown running up to kick the football again, I think is definitely in play here, right? The fact of the matter is that letter sort of says, I am going to undertake to agree to do what I've already agreed to do and was trying to back out on. And so when you really read that letter closely, yes, it signals that he's had a change of heart, that he's willing to try to close this deal on its original terms. That's great news for Twitter. But it doesn't really put his money where his mouth is. It's conditioned on an immediate stay of all proceedings and on the debt commitments closing. Well, you know, the fact of the matter is that doesn't really change any of the positions that he was in. All it does is it signals that he's now more open to closing on these particular terms. So Twitter would be foolish if they said, okay, now that you've signaled this relatively limp willingness to go forward, we should just put everything on hold, even though we're careening towards an October 17th date. You know, if part of what was motivating him to issue this letter was sort of a fear of walking into that deposition room, well, if that's, you know, his come to Jesus moment in deciding he's going to soften up on this deal, why would Twitter ever want to put on the brakes on their lawsuit? What kinds of things can Twitter do now to protect itself? I would expect that Twitter is trying to make sure that there are concessions there that are a little bit more concrete than merely a repetition of the promise that he made back in April to close the deal. So, for example, they might have him stipulate the various legal outcomes and essentially say, I'm going to agree that uh, specific performance is, in fact, the right order here and concede my liability on the issue. Or alternatively, they might say, okay, if you want to go through with this deal, and it's going to take a few more days or weeks to get things lined up, we would like you to immediately put enough cash and stock in other companies like Tesla and SpaceX into an escrow account so that if you try to back out on it, we don't have to try to 
haul you into court for a specific performance decree. We'll just have a judge attach that account, and that will kind of put your money where your mouth is. And that's Eric Talley, a professor at Columbia Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. Futures this morning are lower. S&P futures down 22 points, down futures down 154, and NASDAQ futures are down 71. The 10-year Treasury down 230 seconds, yield 3.76%. And the yield on the two-year, 4.16%. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.